What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez Peak. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's the video game podcast for. Actually, I hadn't really thought of anything funny, but I'll throw in a little disclaimer here. Uh, I took my cat to the vet this morning and I was not able to get a hold of him to take his collar off. So if you hear any jingling in the background in this episode that I'm unable to edit out, just know that that's my cat and uh, not just like a stray jingle bell rolling around my house. The gaming podcast for cat owners this week. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, whew, been a been a heck of a week. We're recording in the morning, which is kind of a fun diversion. I'm drinking coffee instead yeah, of my nighttime I'm tea. I'm drinking a. God, you're gonna hate me for this. This is like just those. I'm so excited. Shit. So this is Spindrift. It's basically like the Croy, but it's no, dude. I love Spindrift. Okay. This is a Spindrift household. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We we at Press Start. We love Spindrift. Spindrift, please send us sponsor ad us, copy, please. Please sponsor um, us. Spindrift. But it is a half tea, half lemon. So it's like an Arnold. Palmer LaCroix, essentially. Mm-hmm. So no, those ones are really, really good. Refreshing. The We recently got, we're just going to, we may as well just be reading Spindrift ad copy at this point. Um, Christine went down this rabbit hole of getting really into Spindrift and she won a contest where they sent us like a 24 pack of one of their flavors that wasn't on shelves yet. Oh my God, what kind of flavors? So it was called Nojito. So it was basically like the elements of a mojito. So it was Without like lime alcohol. and mint. It was delicious Ooh. but the problem with it was was once we drank all of them they aren't on shelves yet so we couldn't go out and buy more of them so, so now you know yeah. about this flavory spin drift that the world doesn't know about you're like on you're on like spin drift review embargo exactly oh, exactly That's, no it's nice too fate. because like the they're kind they're a little more expensive than like a Lacroix or like a bubbly or that genre of these mm-hmm. but target usually has them on sale like mm. most of weeks for like two for six or something like that, which shakes out to like a 12, a six pack or a 12 pack for like two for six or two for eight is like almost the price of a six pack of bubbly. Yeah, you know what I mean? I see, so I see what you mean. It works out. Yeah, the weather's definitely starting to heat up here. It was like in the 70s the other day. So I'm sure in Florida, it's probably like fully 85 degrees for some fucking reason. We're, we're in that mode right now. I saw a tweet. This might've actually been from like Florida Fish and Wildlife, which mm-hmm. has like a really good Twitter presence for what it's worth. Um, it was a tweet that was like, uh, Floridians, don't be fooled. We're in fake spring before we go back into winter, too. Oh, yeah, like, that's true. That does we're in the 80s. Here. We're in the 80s today, but then we're about to have a cold front blow through, and tomorrow it's supposed to be like 45 at night. So mm. it's there's no telling. We're in that fully like flip-flop period yeah. of the year am, down here. I am what I call like, like spring pre-spring frisky mode where i'm like i'm drinking a drink i, I like wouldn't that. normally have during winter i'm wearing mm-hmm. a short dress i'm mm-hmm. like i'm starting to get this itch to like go out into the sunlight but it's like not quite there yet i don't know yeah but. we're we're at the stage where i'm not quite ready to give up wearing jeans but like i wore flip-flops with my jeans today you know what i mean oh like it's 2005 yeah 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 exactly i live in florida it's like you know flip-flops time time stands still here yeah it's giving like a Wow, actually, this is a very deep memory. But, like, some churches would do church services on the beach. Okay. During, like, Easter, like, a special occasion. It's, like, an excuse to go to the beach, basically. Sometimes they do baptisms on, like, in the beach. But anyway, Mm -hmm. I just have some, I have some distinct memories of seeing pastors with, like, jeans, like, button down, but with, like, those flip-flops you get at Hollister. Hmm. That's, that's tough. That's that's a Florida false spring second winter vibe right there. Anyway, if you do a baptism on a beach, do you baptize the baby in salt water or like? Oh, so like these are these water? are for adults. 
Oh, is that the like dramatic ones I've seen video of where they like yeah. sink people into yeah, the ocean yeah, yeah. and pull them back up? Yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah, like see. babies, they do those in house. That's a little sprinkle. I was going to say. I was like, I but feel like it'd be pretty when traumatic. When you're like dunking like, a grown man who is like recently converted or whatever, like yeah, you, get you a need big more tub than a kiddie pool. That. Yeah, just yeah. the whole ocean. Mm. The whole ocean. Can is it holy water then? Can you make yeah, it? Yeah, anything. I mean, evangelicals huh. have a really loose understanding of, of like holy water. Like that's more of a Catholic <laughs> thing. Evangelicals were like oh, dunk. Okay, okay. Like we just we just like to they just like to dunk. I was gonna say I thought there was that whole thing where you had to like swing the little ball with the dry ice around it, and that's what made it holy and yeah, shit. Yeah, that's just or... Catholics. That's just Catholics. Oh, okay, Lo- love Catholicism. Yeah. Love it. Oh. <laughs> wow, way <laughs> off the rails. This is a oh. spin drift in religion podcast now. <laughs> um, anyway, so this week, this week was a was a lot. We had a Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Um, it was there was a lot going on with this one, um, which is interesting because I I came away from this pretty excited. And then mm-hmm. your initial reaction was like, hey, it was okay. Yeah, it was all um, right. So I'm just going to like break down the things I thought were the most interesting. Can we start? Did you watch it like live yes. as it was airing? Or yeah. Okay, cool. I watched it live as uh, Twitter crashed for the entire duration of the direct. Really? Yeah, it, it completely just shat the bed. That's so funny. And it sucks because huh? like, one of the best things about Nintendo Direct is like seeing everyone's live reactions. And I can't yeah. get that, but it's fine. Um, I was I was just kind of like I had to go on a ride, so I was out later than I normally am. So I was just like listening to NPR. And at one point during my ride, I had my map open on my phone, and then I got a text from Nathaniel, and it said Tron Identity question mark. And I texted him back, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And he was like, Nintendo Direct. And I was like, I'm like I'm in Claremont, dog. I'm not watching the Nintendo Direct. I'm in Claremont. <laughs> don't don't. <laughs> text don't interact do not, do not text i'm currently lost in lake county yeah i'm in a bad so, place not mentally i'm in claremont um <laughs> so uh, yeah tell me uh you want to just go through like stuff stuff that stuck out to us in the direct i have my yeah. notes well, that I, mean, I took first during of all, it. pikmin looks like a blast yeah i wrote in my notes pikmin looks like pikmin yeah pikmin looks like pikmin just like better <laughs> like graphics i like the yeah. the little dog guy pick dog yeah he's adorable i don't know yeah i'm I'm glad it's coming out in July because there's some rumored like release dates. They have like retailers sometimes put up release dates and sometimes it's correct and sometimes it's not. There are some rumors of like Pikmin coming out in May and I was like, man, Pikmin's about to get shafted by like Tears of the Kingdom. Um, yeah. But end up, it's actually coming out in July. So that's hmm. good. It'll, it'll be like a good, I think it could be a good like post Tears of the Kingdom palette cleanser. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what I'm excited for. Um, the Metroid Prime Shadow Drop remaster. Mm-hmm. That was I did not expect that. I know yeah. people have been talking about like, oh, they're gonna redo Metroid Prime, and like I expected that, but I did not expect them to drop it like that. Just like, oh yeah, it's out later today. What? I have not played it. I did not pick it up. I actually own Metroid Prime on the GameCube. Yeah. I've never really put myself through it. I've played like the first hour of it a couple of times and it hasn't really grabbed me. Granted, I think the couple of times I tried to run through it, I wasn't really Metroidvania pilled yet, but like I'm much more into that style of game now, so I might get more into it. But yeah. I, my understanding is that from stuff I've read, it was billed as just a like remaster. But apparently they've done quite a bit to overhaul the controls and the graphics. Yeah, they've they've overhauled the controls. And I was listening to Waypoint and one of the co-hosts, I think it was Kato, they were like, 
uh there's like new assets like that that almost crosses the the bridge from remaster to remake Mm -hmm. in a way um we're definitely kind of like towing that line um but it looks really good i i too have played the first opening sequence of metroid prime like four times Mm -hmm. um i just think i was too young to really understand it um and i also don't really like first person games that's my yeah. thing. But I do like Metroid, and I have been wanting to try Metroid Prime, so I might pick this up soon. It's only 40 bucks, so yeah. for, like, a remaster. I'm, I'm glad they weren't going to pull, like, oh, the $70 for a remastered Metroid Prime. That would have pissed me off. Um, yeah, it is interesting <laughs> that it's, like, I don't know, the pricing does feel a little arbitrary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if Tears of the Kingdom is going to be 70 bucks. But the yeah, Metroid we... Prime re-release is forty. But the Mario All Stars pack with three games was sixty. Like it's yeah. We're, but the entry totally and Odyssey in. Yeah. is like eighty. Like yeah, yeah. Um, interesting stuff. Yeah, it, it feels like I feel like Nintendo is like spinning a wheel sometimes with the pricing. Oh, it absolutely. doesn't surprise me that they want Tears of the Kingdom to be seventy dollars. Like if they're gonna get away with seventy dollars, it would be Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Um. And so I just kind of saw it and just kind of resigned myself to like, damn, I'm really gonna be out here paying like PS5 prices for yeah Nintendo games now. That's just like where we are. Um. Speaking well, of, okay. oh no, go ahead, no, go ahead. you can go. Now I was gonna say. So you mentioned Metroid Prime. This direct was kind of filled with like ports and remasters in a way that like some of my friends I was watching it with were like, please just show a new game. Um, yeah. I totally get that, and I was kind of feeling the same way, but I will admit there's some ports and remasters I'm stoked for. Mm-hmm. Bat and Kaidos 1 and 2 is one of those. Yeah. Did you ever play this game on the GameCube? No, I did not. This is like a... There weren't a lot of RPGs on the GameCube and the N64. There are definitely more RPGs on the GameCube than there were the N64, but there's still not a ton. Like, the PS2 and the PS1 yeah. were just like... if you're not counting really... any, like, Fire Emblem entries yeah but even then i mean the gamecube has one fire emblem it's got paper mario the thousand year door and like there's a couple things here and there outside of that but baton kaidos is like one of the big ones it was a nintendo published card based deck building like turn-based game Mm. and i've kind of always wanted to play with it it's not one of the ones that's on like the mega high-end price-wise on the second-hand market but a copy of the first one on gamecube with like the case will still run you 50 60 bucks so I'm pretty stoked to see that they're packaging both the first and second game together with new graphics. Um, same goes here for Etrian Odyssey 1 through 3. I guess, slight spoiler, I've been playing the 3DS remake of Etrian Odyssey 1 on my 3DS lately. So it is very amusing to me that, like, I think last time we were talking about 3DS games to pick up before the shop closed down, and I mentioned the Etrian Odysseys, and here they are on Switch. I'm kind of intrigued to see how this will work, though, because the Etrian Odyssey series was born out of the fact that the DS has two screens. Have you ever played any of these? No, but I am tempted to to get it now. Well, it's the same thing as like a Persona Q, where you draw yeah. the map on the bottom screen. Yeah, because yeah, it's the same developers. I had Persona Q. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I never finished it, but yeah. It's like Persona Q is just Etrian Odyssey with a Persona skin of paint. The, the whole method of play is that it's a first-person dungeon crawler, and then you draw the map on the bottom screen. Mm-hmm. And so on the Switch, it looks like it's orientated where half the screen will be the map and half won't yeah, be. Yeah, I was looking but at like, it, I was just kind of confused, like, And how the Switch that doesn't works. come with a stylus, you know? So are you yeah. going to be are you using your finger? Like, I've tried using my finger on my 3DS to draw my map, and it's 
not it does not work. My finger is not that fine. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to work, but I do. It is kind of cool that it's all three of the first three games, but there are five of them. So I don't know. That's a little strange. Um, Trying to think, were there any other? Oh, Ghost Trick. That's cool. Did you ever play Ghost Trick? No. Another one? Yeah, there's so many games. That I was like, huh? OK, OK. I mean, I am excited for the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance ports. Like, not ports, but, like, being available to Nintendo online. Because um, I, I do think they started out with a pretty good starter set of games. So, but no Pokemon, though. Kind of weird, though. No Pokemon, and it baffles me that with a both a Kirby game coming out soon and a Fire Emblem game that just came out, they didn't just, like, they showed the, the next lineup of games that's going to come out, and yeah. it included Kirby and the Amazing Mirror and Fire Emblem 7. I'm like, why didn't they just put Fire Emblem 7 on now? Because, yeah. like, characters from Fire Emblem 7 are in Fire Emblem Engage. Like, just put that game in now. Let people learn who these characters are. I don't understand why they're playing coy with this. It's really annoying. Yeah, it is really annoying. But I just I did see, you know, Minish Cap, Oracle Seasons, yeah. um, Golden and Sun. And you said you never played Minish Cap, right? I've never played Minish Cap. I've never played Oracle. So oh, very interested in those. The Oracle games and the Minish Cap are from the same, like, branch of the Zelda series, which I'm sure you know this. They, had, uh, they were developed by Capcom. So it's like Capcom developed, Nintendo published, and so... The Oracle games, like, look like Link's Awakening, but they feel very different than Link's Awakening. And then the Minish Cap is kind of, like, the realization of this totally different branch of the Zelda games that, like, feels adjacent to Link's, uh, A Link to the Past, but is, like, different enough that it yeah. totally feels its own thing. Minish Cap is awesome. I, I played it on my Game Boy, like, ages ago, and it's really, really cool. I think you'll like it a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for those. Um, I guess if you are really thirsting for a new game, there is a new Sama de Amigo, um, which can you, I can don't you think... Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> yeah. It just, it just kind of interests me, because, like, those... That rhythm game in particular had, like, a Maraca controller on, like, the Dreamcast. Um, one, of my, one of my relatives used to have it. Um, oh, really? I never played it. I just knew they had it because I saw the Morocco controller. Um, but are you just going to be shaking your your Joy-Cons? Is that the I guess. I Maracas? guess, yeah. It, it um, has kind of baffled me that we haven't gotten more games on the Switch that have, like, Wii-adjacent controls, considering the Joy-Cons can function as a Wii remote and nunchuck. We just, like, yeah. haven't really gotten a lot of that. So, yeah. like, I, I did write down in my notes, though, uh, what's the over-under on Sabade Amigo on the Switch having K-pop in it? Like, do we think, because they said something like music from all genres or all kinds of different genres. And I'm like, what is, is there going to be K-pop and Sama de what Amigo, mean, right? Though? Yeah. I pulled up the track list on the Sega wiki right here from the original Samba de Amigo to see yeah. if I could kind of get a feel for some of the stuff that was going to be in it. Um, can I just read you some of the, the hits sure, that were in Samba de Amigo? So this was in Samba de Amigo that was released on the Dreamcast in 1999. There's also the arcade version that was released both in Japan and in arcades that had some additional songs. But this was the launch version on Dreamcast, right? This is just a couple of samplings of the hits. So we got uh, La Bamba, Richie Valens. Okay. Classic. Banger. Live in La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. Banger. Another absolute classic. The Macarena. You can't go wrong. Let's fucking go. Soul Bossa Nova by Quincy Jones. And now we got a couple of the uh, the big ones. This is like the S-grade tracks on here in my mind. 
First, we have the real big fish cover of AHA's Take On Me, which is just... <laughs> wow. Can you imagine a more 1999 yeah, phrase than is... saying that? Oh, hold on. I have oh, something oh, more 1999 more. for you. More. Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Oh, my God. Wow. Yes! So, so what you're telling yes! me... I, I fully expect Slama de Amigo, this new one, to have Despacito. It has to have... It has to have Despacito. I need Despacito in there. I need some Bad Bunny in, yeah. in this new Samba entry. Um, BTS Dynamite. Yeah. That's my thing. If Dynamite is not in there, I... What I are you know. doing? I don't know what the what the Honestly, fuck. Honestly, if has you are a there. rhythm game these days and you don't have K-pop, like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. So. So that was one of my notes that I had from this uh, this direct. <laughs> I love um, it. Thank you for for regaling me in the the history. Those are some some absolute tracks. Those are some real bops. I I did want to note too of the new games that they showed. It looks like uh, level five is having a moment. First, we got a new Professor Layton that's announced to be coming to the Switch. Yeah. Love Professor Layton. Fuck yeah. I haven't Professor thought Layton. about Professor Layton in like. Years. I saw his little silhouette with his big hat, and I was like, I haven't thought about you in like 10 years. I love you, Professor Layton. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that too. I think they remastered the first one on Switch, but like there's also two or three of those on the 3DS. So if you're 3DS pilled, check those out and see if they're out there. And I also saw there's that game, it's called Deca Police that Level 5 is publishing or developing. Yeah, that one looks really cute. Yeah, that one looks interesting. You're like a detective and you're like solving mysteries, but it's like an action RPG maybe. And also you might be a furry. It's kind of unclear to me. (laughs) But like cyberpunk and cute cat design and level five kind of has me intrigued. So I don't know. That that could be something. Yeah. The one thing (laughs) we have to, we just have to get through is that Tears of the Kingdom trailer. Um, Yes. Yes. We have to talk about this. He's got got a, a John Deere lawnmower now. Yeah, that's the Tears thing. Of the, I saw a couple other people make this joke too, but I like pretty quickly afterwards tweeted uh, the Legend of Zelda nuts and bolts because all I could think about was that Banjo Kazooie game on the Xbox where you had oh to like build cars. <laughs> yeah, people. I I will say like I actually never played that game, but from what I've read, like it was much maligned when it first came yeah. out, but now we're like actually, it's they, like they all things. Let yeah, them cook. It, let them cook. Um, it's like YouTube reviewers had a field day with it because they made fun of it. And then 10 years, 10, 15 years on, people were like, was this really as bad as we said it was? And I think I think people generally still don't think it's near as good as the first two. But but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. Talk to me about it, because I thought this was a pretty underwhelming showing for this game. Yeah, I thought about that, too. It felt like I just can't get over like, OK, this game was originally supposed to be a DLC that got too big, and then they're like, let's just mm-hmm. make a game. But I'm not getting much story from these trailers. Like, I'm just getting like, oh, so Ganon's back and his arm and Link's arm is fucked up. Yeah, and, like, Ganon's back and he might be Matthew Mercer, maybe. Yeah, it's... there's that. Um, and I know, like, Nintendo always tends to keep the plots of Zelda games pretty close to the chest. But I yeah. just kept getting the vibe of like, this looks like a great expansion pack. Yeah. Not necessarily a sequel. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a hater. And I hope I'm like wrong. Um, but I'm not getting a whole ton of story out of this. I do like the flying aspect, uh, like mm-hmm. Sky Islands. I would be totally into it if like some of these Sky Islands contained like real dungeons. I'd be into that. 
And they um, might. We, they we definitely might. saw some clips of what looked like puzzle solving that you would do in like the temples and stuff in the last game, but it looked open air. So yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued by what that looks like, but yeah. But yeah, for a game that's coming out in like three months, we still know next to nothing about this. Yeah, so that seems a bit off to me. I do like uh, this game. Seem, this game seems to be taking a darker turn than Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like the Blood Moon is out. There's like firestorms. There's like meteors crashing. Well, um, and the voiceover is Ganon, probably Ganon. Yeah. Somebody who might be Ganon says something like, kill everybody, destroy the kingdom, and all. It's no longer like, yeah, set up little encampments and fuck people up. Yeah, it's this like, is just no longer like a cute, everyone. cozy game. Yeah. So it's like shit's going down. I did see some interesting frame by frame analyses of the enemies. There is, on the mm. bridge, there is a dragon with like its tail on fire. Oh, cool. And people are like, oh, that's a Gleok. And that's an enemy from like Phantom Hourglass and like some really older Zelda games. Oh, that's cool. So that hasn't made an appearance in a while. And then there's another frame people were analyzing where it was like a shot of like a Lazelfos and some other enemies behind it. And people were pausing that and zooming in and being like, oh shit, those are Redeads. Like they're Whoa. bringing back Redeads. So oh, that's I'm into cool. that. I, yeah. I I do like a darker Zelda. Like I I love a Majora's Mask. I love a Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. So I I'm into that. I just hope there's like an actual fucking story because that yeah. does. And I think me. there will be. We've gotten hints of it from the beginning of like elements that kind of look parallel to stuff from Twilight Princess and whatever's going on with like the mummified Ganon we keep seeing. So I think there's story and all this stuff. It's just kind of they really and. I don't really remember the lead up to Breath of the Wild as well nowadays, but if I remember I right, like we didn't really know that it, it was... took place like post apocalyptic or anything like that until mm-hmm. pretty close to release, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. remember knowing a whole ton about it either. Um, the other thing people are saying, like, this is some real like Zelda rumor monger YouTuber shit. I'm just gonna admit mm-hmm. that, but please, at the end of the trailer, there are some like zip, like weird sounds at the end. And yeah. it sounds like Twilight speak. Like it sounds yeah. like midnight Twilight portal opening sounds. So I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, and people about have been saying that from the beginning. Whatever so that is. There was a, a friend of mine shared with me this like tweet thread that was like just before the direct. And it was like the conspiracy theory that Midna is going to be back in this game and that there's going to be <laughs> Twilight Princess connections and that kind of thing, which is cool because like I, th- I really like Twilight Princess. I think it's got a lot of faults in the gameplay and the pacing department. I yeah. think it has the same problem that, like, or one of the same problems that The Wind Waker has, where it's, like, sometimes the game's pacing just grinds to a fucking halt, and they make you find a bunch of collectibles. But for all of its faults, it's got a really interesting atmosphere, and it did a lot of weird stuff with Zelda lore. So I'm all for, I like, love pulling the, in the that stuff. I love the dark-ass yeah. Zelda lore in Twilight Princess. I yeah. love when you walk into the, the Great Fairy Fountain near the Water Temple, and it just goes like full horror and you see like Link's eyes roll in the back of his head. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm all about it. Um, yeah. So I'm excited for this. I just am hoping there is uh, more in the way of story. One thing I do want to point out is that so when I played Breath of the Wild, I learned that like Epona wasn't like in the game in the game. You had to get an Epona mm-hmm. amiibo. And by the time I realized that all the opponents had been sold out and it became this like cutthroat game on this cutthroat competition on eBay of like a hundred dollar opponent amiibos. 
And I was really sad about it. I wanted, hmm. I didn't want a knockoff horse. I wanted a Pona. That's um, true. It, remember, it was the same thing with the uh, the Twilight Princess re-release on the on the Wii U. It came with the Link, the uh, the Wolf Link amiibo, and then if you scan that into Breath of the Wild, it would give you like a wolf companion. And those go for like mad money on eBay because yeah. they were the only way to get that. Yeah, but in the trailer, you see Epona. Like, he's hmm. riding through a field, and, like, it's a red horse with a white tail and a white mane. Like, that's a Pona. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I hope she comes with the actual game. This is, like, me being, like, really horse girl on mane. I recognize that. <laughs> but I just I just really want to have a Pona with me. Um, that's funny. But, yeah, I'm excited for this game. I hope we get something, like, uh, maybe not, like, a full-blown final trailer, but, like, mm-hmm. an intro, a... Maybe even, I don't think they really do demos anymore with Zelda games. It kind of feels like a no-brainer to, like, maybe at the the end of April or mid-April to do, like, a Zelda Direct. Exactly. And do, like, one more final trailer for Tears of the Kingdom, show off the Oracle games before they come to the Game Boy Switch Online, and then maybe tease the, the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess Wii U ports that people still swear up and down are gonna come to the Switch at some point. But when talking about for, like, six years, yeah. Yeah, but this is Nintendo, so they probably won't do any of that. They'll probably just like shadow drop the uh, we the Wind Waker on there one day and never say anything about it, and then yeah. like never port Twilight Princess for some reason or something. Yeah, I know, which for for some godforsaken reason. So I see you have some stuff here about the Japanese direct. Yeah, there was a really cool video from Nintendo Life. I'll stick this in the description below that kind of broke down. So every time, I mean, they give different directs regionally. But yeah. there's always like small changes between the Japanese and the English directs. And it's always interesting because it's a good way to see like what games are getting added to the online platforms there versus what might not be getting localized here and that kind of thing. So yeah. for starters, the the early set of the Game Boy Advance Switch Online games that we got included Kuru Kuru Kururin, which I think I'm pronouncing right, which is a game where you like move a pole through a map. It's really fun. I played with it for a little bit. It was released in Europe, but never America. So there was an English version of it floating around. And they went ahead and just stuck that on Switch Online, which is really cool. But when they were doing that flashby thing of like stuff that's coming to in the future to the Japanese GBA Switch Online. Yeah. It included Fire Emblem 6, which is huh. the one that stars Roy. And that one never came out in America. So it kind of has me wondering like. Maybe they could localize Fire Emblem Blazing Blade, which would be really cool. I've played it. It's a good game. I don't think they will do this, but it would be really cool. A boy can dream, you know? There was another part to Millennium Kitchen. The folks behind uh, the My Summer Vacation or Boku no Natsuyasumi games are apparently making a new game that's coming to Switch. Um, I've never played any of these. I'm mostly familiar with the original one because of like the nine hour Tim Rogers video on it, which I'll stick in the description and like talk of uh, whatchamacallit. There's the Crayon Shinchan spinoff that's on the Switch. And then there's Attack of the Friday Monsters, which is on 3DS. And so this is like a totally new one of these games. And I don't think they said whether it's going to get localized or not, but the Mm -hmm. last couple of spinoffs have. So fingers crossed, I would love to play one of these games. Yeah. And the... The other big announcement that I wrote down from this video was, have you ever played any of the Atelier games? Atelier, Atelier? Yeah, I played an Atelier game for the DS, I would say around 2009. It was like Atelier, okay. and then the name started with A, like maybe like Annie. 
I just know, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of these games is they're like, they're JRPGs, but it has to do with like running a potion shop or something? Yes, yeah. So I played Atelier Annie, Alchemist of Sarah Island. You play as a girl who's like learning how to make potions and stuff. This game goes for about $235 on eBay now. Whew. Whew. They're, uh, they're developed by a company called Gust. And like most Gust games do not get localized or at least didn't until like the PS2 era. Mm-hmm. And they're published by Koei Tecmo. And I always used to see the Atelier games at like video game stores. And I always thought they looked really interesting because I was kind of fascinated by the fact that they were like, they were really numbers heavy JRPGs by the look of it. Yeah. But they were, they looked like they were aiming at like a more female audience, which kind of intrigued me. Yeah. I've always wanted to play one of these, but it seems kind of difficult to get into them. There's like packs of them on the Switch, but I don't really know which one to get into. But it looks like there's a full remake coming of the very first game in the series, which is called Atelier Marie. That was a PS1 and Sega Saturn game that never made it to North America. And they're doing a full remake of it that's going to come out on PS4 and 5, Switch, PC, and Xbox, and it's getting localized. So. That's fucking cool. It looks yeah. really cute. It's got totally new graphics. And I mean, I imagine that the first game in the series has to be a little less mechanically complex than future ones. So maybe it'd be sure, a good place yeah, to probably. start. But I've always wanted to try one of these games. So this is really cool. Yeah, I I never finished Atelier Annie. Um, and I would love to play another one of these. So it's mm-hmm. really it's really nice. Yeah. Anything else from the direct? Anything else spare in your notes here that you wanted to shout out? No, that's pretty much that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, I think the only other note I had was that there was some game that was shown off from a Don't Nod, the people who did the Life is Strange games, and mm. I thought it looked like okay, but it's got music from Lena Rain, who did the music for Celeste. And oh like, yes, this one Harmony. Fuck me up. Yeah, fuck yeah, me up. Yeah, it looks good. It looks, yeah, it looks um cool. visual novel. Yeah, it looks like a visual novel for sure. Can I give you a couple of uh, stray other news items we have here? Yeah, give give them to me. So first one is that Kiki Palmer is on Twitch now, and she's apparently really good at Tekken. I saw this. I I saw her (laughs) play Tekken, and I was like, damn, okay. Um, I love when we find out that celebrities are, like, gamers. Not ones that are, like, confirmed gamers. Like, we know, like, Henry Cavill, like, confirmed gamer, whatever. But like Henry Cavill's, like, a total confirmed dweeb, too. He's really into, like, Warhammer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I love just, like, finding out about, like, non-coded as nerdy celebrities gaming habits. Like, I want to see, like, Taylor Swift's Animal Crossing Island. I want to see, like, Cardi B play Fortnite. Like, I just... True. I love I love it. Um, So, I... I don't know. I it, it gave me joy, for sure. I also... I saw a tweet this morning that was something like... Imagine you get on Tekken 7 and you're getting your ass kicked by True Jackson VP. And that made me laugh so fucking hard. (laughs) (laughs) You turn on Twitch and it's True Jackson VP just just whipping your ass and Obliterating you, yeah. (laughs) I don't have a whole ton else. Uh, I did see that Rumbleverse is shutting down. Yeah, Rumbleverse is shutting down. Um, Along with a number of other uh, live service games. I saw like a a bullet point list of them on Twitter a few days ago. I was like, damn. I I kind of wonder about this. I'm not really a live service person, but is there, is it like because the bubble is bursting? Is it oversaturated? Like, what's behind all of these closures? I don't know. I, I don't really have numbers or data to back this up, but 
to my mind and my guess is that Fortnite has kind of just sucked all the air out of the room. And yeah. part of that is just that Fortnite is really good. And it is. Like, all these other epic published games. It's like, don't get me wrong. I thought Rumbleverse was really fun. I think Nathaniel even shouted out as like an honorable mention in his games of the year. I thought yeah. it was really cute. I like the, I'm not a big wrestling guy, but I thought the, uh, the idea of like a kid friendly battle royale game that kind of introduced you to some wrestling concepts and moves and characters was kind of cute. I, but yeah, I mean, it only existed for six months and Epic is apparently offering refunds for any money that you spent on the game, which really, really speaks to this not being like a we'll be back and more of it being like a complete admittance that it was a failure, which sucks. But Yeah, it does suck. Um, Jesse played a fair amount of Rumbleverse. He also enjoyed that game. So I, I told him as soon as I saw the news and he was just like, yeah, I could see how that one was like not probably their best i mean it's not fall guys it's not you know yeah. it's not rocket league it, it's um definitely not one of their like best-selling products it's just so hard to tell though like which of these things are built to last though you know because it's like yeah. sometimes i look back at like anthem sometimes a game releases and it has a whole huge roadmap of stuff they're gonna go through mm -hmm. and they barely get through the roadmap or stop and then other times you have games like rumbleverse that come out that have a big company behind it, that have like a big IP technically behind it. And they don't really have like a roadmap per se, but it's built on that season pass model of mm -hmm. like in three weeks, there'll be new content and it just completely fizzles out. So I really don't know. I don't know what the secret is to having staying power in this arena. Maybe it's just having every IP under the sun. That seems to be working pretty well for Fortnite. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, rip Rumbleverse, I guess. Though, rest in peace. <laughs> shout out, um, shout out to Nathaniel. Rest in peace. Shout out. He'll have to find a new game to play. I know. Well, besides NBA Two K, oh god. This is true. This is true. <laughs> we don't need. We don't need to drag him though. He's not here to defend himself. Yeah, I'm sorry. We shouldn't be roasting Nathaniel here. Anyway, what have we been playing? Uh, you want to go first? Yeah. So, I I've been looking at other games to get on the 3DS besides Link Between Worlds. There is like a bravely default, um, yeah, like entry on there, so I might get that. There's two actually. There's, There's bravely two. default and bravely default second layer or something like that. Yeah, end layer or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, so just been just been perusing around there. Um, one thing that I did encounter in the eShop for the 3DS is that they have themes. I forget that 3DSs have themes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? Why do 3DSs have themes but Switches don't? Like. I would gladly yeah. pay 10 bucks for like a cool Zelda theme or have it as like a pre-order bonus. Like, I don't know. It just, where did yeah. themes go? Uh, Can I tell you something really cool though? I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, for people who have homebrewed their 3DSs, people make custom themes for it too. Mm. So like every IP under the sun, you can imagine there is a custom theme for, there's a whole like storefront, quote unquote, everything's free, but there's like a whole storefront online where you can check them out. I, I don't have the right app on my 3DS to, like, install the custom theme yet, but I was looking recently, and there's a Disco Elysium one that is really cool that even plays, like, Disco Elysium musical stings when you turn mm -hmm. on your 3DS and shit. Like, it's really cool. But, yeah, the themes, it always bummed me out how sterile the Switch menu was. Not just the lack of the themes, but, like, bring back the, like, ambient bubble sounds of the Wii, you know? It always oh, kind of yeah. bothered me. Like, 
The Wii had such cool music. And that shit that's like, everyone knows what the Wii Shop Channel music sounds like nowadays, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so iconic. And it was the music for their storefront. Like, why? I, I don't understand why there's no sound effects or music for the Switch. Baffles me. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this. So um, I was looking on a Reddit thread of people being like, day one switch owners how are your how's your switch holding up and one person was like it's holding up but it's kind of like the battery life is kind of chugging and like it's not as good as it used to be and so when tears of the kingdom comes out i'm gonna get oled for it and then i'm just gonna Mm. use my old switch for homebrewing and i was like bro that's not Mm. a bad idea that's not a bad idea a friend so, of mine has his Switch homebrewed, and he mostly just uses it to like pirate Nintendo games to determine if they're worth spending money on, which is very funny to me. Is this your not, friend like, who's playing Hogwarts Legacy this way? This is my friend who said he was going to pirate Hogwarts Legacy on the Switch, because he was like, I kind of want to see what it's like, but I don't want to spend any money on it. And I was like, I feel like playing Godspeed. it on the Switch would probably give you like the funniest way to play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I you, you can play the you can play the blood libel transphobe game on your Nintendo Switch and it'll run at like ten frames, maybe. Yeah, it's know. gonna run like absolute ass, but that's that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, besides that, I haven't played a whole lot this week. This week's been like a lot with work and stuff. Yeah, but I am in the third dungeon of Persona Five, so I'm kind of like kind of speeding through Persona Five. Um. I think it's just because, like, I know the main beats of the story, so I'm kind of, like, you know, like, clicking A through a lot of the interactions. I'm like, yeah, I've been here, blah, blah, But yeah. I do think now I'm going to start to get to a point where it's like, ooh, I haven't encountered this story bit. So, also yeah. with Kazumi, the girl with red hair, who is a royal exclusive character, I, I take in very slowly. So that's a brand new social link for me. Um, I was going to ask, is most of the story text in this game, like, for what you can tell, just, like, copy-pasted from vanilla, except, like, Kazumi is sometimes standing there? Yeah, I would say most of it is. Interesting. Okay. Because um, I, I don't think I've ever played, like, the original version of one of these games and then the additional version. I've always played either one or the other. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. So, yeah. So um, I'm just, I'm plugging through it and I'm on the third dungeon. That's Makoto's dungeon. It's uh, the mm. drug dealer's bank, Kaneshiro. Um, I completely memory hold this dungeon. Like, <laughs> I remember Kamoshida's palace very well. Yeah. Monorami's art gallery very well. I remember um, Futaba's like pyramid. Yeah, that was a cool one. I that was that I love the music in that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, this this middle part of the game, I'm like, hmm, I don't really remember this. So that's that's where I am with that though. Kazumi's Arcana is an Arcana I've never seen in a Persona game. It's the Faith Arcana. Oh, interesting. I've never seen that one. So that's cool. Um, I've also kind of made it a point because everyone who has played Royal has been like, oh my god, the things they do to Akechi in Persona 5 Royal is different and more fleshed out. So I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna prioritize maxing out Kazumi and Goro Akechi since they are the most like Royal only affected social links, it seems. So that's what I've been focused on in that game. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and besides that, I haven't really been watching a whole lot of stuff, but Jesse's finishing up the final season of Better Call Saul. It's really well acted. Like, I highly recommend that show. Uh Um, I've watched it. I've actually never seen Breaking Bad, so I've just been watching it, like, 
with zero context and it's honestly pretty enjoyable. I think it probably is a testament to how good it is if you can watch it without the context of Breaking Bad and still enjoy it. Because I've always kind of wondered that because I also haven't really watched Breaking Bad. So Yeah, you can definitely watch Better Call Saul without having watched Breaking Bad. What have you been playing? Uh, I forgot to put my stuff in the Google Docs. This will be a total fun surprise for you. So I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I've been playing Etrian Odyssey Untold, the Millennium Girl on my 3DS. So the Etrian Odyssey series is as follows. The first three games are on the original DS, and then four and five are on the 3DS. And then they started doing this thing with one and two called the Untold Games, where they are quality of life fix and remakes, kind of, of the first two games. So Etrian Odyssey Untold, The Millennium Girl, is a remake of Etrian Odyssey 1 with two different modes. There's classic mode and there's story mode. Now, like a dumbass, I picked classic mode because I was like, this sounds like it'll be a fun experience. And so I'm not getting any of the cool story stuff that they've added in. Traditionally, the Etrian Odyssey games kind of play almost like a more like a tabletop type of thing, like a traditional pen and paper D&D type of thing, where, or even like a, like a Dragon Quest 3. Like you start the game and you go to the Adventurers Guild and they're like, who are the adventurers you want to recruit? And you get to pick a party of five and it just gives you like a laundry list of classes and then you get to pick the design for your characters, and then you name them. And it's not like traditional RPG classes. Like, my mm. current team is, you have the front line and the back line. And so it's like the, the characters on the front line are more likely to get hit, so that's where you put your physical attackers, and the p- people on the back line are less likely to get hit, so that's where you put ranged attackers or support characters. So I've got, like, I have a paladin named Quentin, I have, he's blonde and he looks kind of like the guy who does those YouTube videos that are like nine hour reviews of uh, iCarly. So I named him after him. Um, I <laughs> have, I have a character who's a class called a Landsnecht, Landsknecht, something like that. That's like very German looking and she's like a spear wielder and, but I have her with a big ax and her name is Sophie. And then on the third character on my front line is a katana wielder who's a Ronin class named Ayaka who I named after a character from uh, Tim Heidecker's On Cinema at the Cinema, because I'm just binging that right now. <laughs> and, um, and then my back line is a bard whose name is, his name is escaping me right now. He's just like Jack or something. He's not anything crazy. And then I have Mira, my ranger, who's like a bow wielder. And I would say that I am generally enjoying this game. I think it's fun it's got a very interesting gameplay loop of like, it's kind of like a Tartarus type thing where it's like one big dungeon. Okay, yeah, the grind set. Exactly. And you get in and it's empty floor and you are like, there is a wall to my left and a wall to my right and I can go forward. So on your little stylus screen, you draw a line on your left, line on your right. And the idea is to, I mean, I guess it's totally optional technically, but the idea is to have like these fully formed maps of what the dungeon floor looks like so that there's a spot where you can mine for ore, but you can only do that once a day. So you want to make a note of where that is. So when you go home and sleep at the inn, you can come back and walk over there and get your ore and you don't have to go hunting for it. And so I'm down to like the fifth floor. I've put like three or four hours into this. Uh, The fifth floor has like the first real difficult boss. And so I've kind of been like prepping my stuff. I will say though, this game feels kind of old in some of its quality of life things. Like, I understand why 
the game wants me to like walk to the staircase until I've unlocked the fast travel option and then mm. go home and sleep at the inn and then go back down and walk down the floors and this kind of thing. But some of it does feel kind of like crunchy just for the sake of being crunchy, which mm. I guess I can't really complain about too much. This is like an, a 10 year old game that's a remake of a 15, 16 year old game. Yeah, but even it's still, also it, Atlas. Like Atlas. Exactly. Atlas loves to just, like, make you suffer sometimes. Just tedious shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I might be enjoying it more if I was doing the story stuff and leaning into it because the story's a little bare bones so far. I've been introduced to characters. I have, like, NPC characters. I kind of have an idea. I don't really know what the overarching plot is, but I know there's something. I'm getting teases of it. I don't really know how much longer I'm going to play this, but I do think it's like a really inventive way of using the dual screen thing with the 3DS. So I think that's cool. Yeah, that's cool, though. Yeah, I don't know. I'm liking it enough. I don't think I'm liking it enough to want to pick the remakes up on the the Switch, even though they're looking like really shiny. But I think this is neat. Like if you like cartography and dungeon crawling, I think this is like your thing. (laughs) Um, Let's see what else. Cartography enjoyers. Cartography and map enjoyers, get on in here. Etrian Odyssey is where it's at. Last week, you told me that I should check out Harvest Moon Magical Melody because I was talking about wanting to try a Harvest Moon game. Yes. And I got real lucky and just pretty much immediately found an eBay auction where a guy was selling a copy for 20 bucks on the GameCube and I was able to snap that shit up. So I have not really put a lot of time into this because I've been so busy this week. I've just kind of like barely, barely, barely scratched the surface of it. Okay. I am kind of, I'm intrigued by this. I think it's cool. I really like the gameplay loop of this one seems to be like uh, you open the game and the harvest goddess in this area has been turned to stone. And the only way you can wake her up is by collecting 100 magical music notes and Mm -hmm. you complete you get the music notes. They're like achievements and you get them by doing everything from like throwing something in the box that sells stuff to more complex things. And the only way you can tell what these are, this feels like a game that I should be playing with a strategy guide. I have been tempted to look up strategy guides online because it feels like something that I should be like having a book. I played this with a strategy guide, yeah. Did you really? Yeah. I mean, there's notes for like buying a second home. I think there's notes for like either getting married or having a child. It's neat though. I will say it feels, it's funny because you can tell it doesn't have like Nintendo money behind it. Oh, The way like- Animal Crossing, one thing that I've always loved about Animal Crossing is the way that there's like a musical sting for everything and there's like so much music and so many sound effects and sometimes you'll do stuff in this game and there's just like no audio. You're just kind of like like when when the sun sets in this game and you need to get back to your house so you can go to sleep, there's just like no music. Yeah, whereas Animal Crossing has like a different song for like every hour of the day. Exactly. So, I mean, I can't really make that a ding against it. It's just kind of like surface level observation since I haven't dug into it yet. Um, I did that classic Harvest Moon thing, which I think a lot of people do, which is that I overexerted myself on like day one because I was trying to plant some radishes and I collapsed and ended up at the doctor's office. Yeah. 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 And the doctor was like, don't do that again. And then a full 24 hours had passed. And I was like, I was using a hoe to dig like six holes. Like, come on, give me a break. Self-care. I married the doctor. Did you? He's kind of hot. He's kind of hot. I'm playing as a girl because I I always think that, uh, I don't know, I just think it's fun. I like to play as a girl in video games. I think that's fun. And uh, I was looking at like some of the options. One thing that's neat about this game, 
is that your like main antagonist, who the booklet also heavily suggests could be a love interest, is this like Jamie. really this standoffish shithead named Jamie. But the minute you meet him, he's apparently on the same quest you are to help the harvest goddess, but he's yes. like a real dick about it. Yeah, so here's here's the interesting thing about Jamie. Jamie is the opposite is the other gender of whatever you are yeah so if you play as a boy jamie's a girl and kind of like a rivals to lovers potential thing yeah and vice versa i'm playing as a girl and jamie's like this androgynous boy who wears like a big poncho and has like a fun hat so am i gonna romance jamie probably so we'll have to see how that goes (laughs) yeah there is I i have lots of like charming childhood memories of that game i Mm. that was i used to bring that game to my grandma's house in tampa uh when it was like that 3 p.m florida summer thunderstorm yeah and just like hearing the crashing thunder outside and i'm like in her guest bedroom playing magical melody i have a lot of memories of that there's this one part of the game i really liked where i i might be wrong about this this is like 15 years old memories um there's a note you get for a music note you get for climbing to the top of a mountain and it's like a rock climbing mini game mm-hmm. and it's That's really cool. cute and huh. there's like a fun song that goes with it so yeah i am a big fan of magical melody i wish they would like port that you know or or something i know they're kind of doing that with wonderful life right now which is the other gamecube one that people really like that's the so they're porting Wonderful Life to Switch, but it's it's like a remaster, so it's Story of Seasons a Wonderful Life. So it's like with the new graphical style and everything, which mm-hmm. I know we've both said that we're not huge fans of. But yeah. I don't know. It's kinda cool. I'm I'm enjoying it. I think it's really interesting to me that the Harvest Moon games, so many of them are so disparate from each other. Like it seems like there's characters shared between games and just like the base idea of farm make money marry somebody build a house but just from like one game to another the graphical style can be wildly different the base gameplay loop can be wildly different and so Mm -hmm. it was really funny reading about it online like the main thing i was trying to determine was whether i should get a wonderful life or i should get magical melody because i know those are the two gamecube ones that people like really speak highly of and magical melody is interesting because it came out in 06 so it was also ported to the wii so -hmm. it's like a late era gamecube game but mm-hmm. the way people talk about these games of like, oh, yeah, I like Magical Melody, but it's totally different than the rest of them. Or, yeah, I like Wonderful Life and I hated Magical Melody. Like, I did not realize I, I kind of had this idea of the Harvest Moon games of just like slight differences from game to game. And it was just like the next area you went to. Like, you're building a farm, but it's a different town with different people. I didn't realize that they were like different enough from game to game. So I've kind of learned a lot about that. Yeah. I, I'm excited to hear you talk more and more about Magical Melody. Yeah. That that to me is like, I feel like people who are into farming sims have like the one farming sim game that is like, they're spoiled from it and they hold mm-hmm. all, all their games in that genre to that standard. And for me, it's Magical Melody. Like Magical Melody and um, the, God, what was it? I'm trying to think, the Wii Animal Crossing City Life, City Folk. Yeah, we Animal Crossing was city folk. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two like goats of that genre for yeah. me. Yeah. I loved City Folk. It's I know that that one's not really like looked back upon as fondly as some of the other games because it didn't really like shake up the formula that much, but I really liked City Folk. I had a I have a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in that game too. Yeah, for sure. 
And I pretty much think that's it for this week. Kind of a shorter episode, but I'm yeah. into it. I kind of turned into a Nintendo Direct City, so hopefully people still want to hear about the Nintendo Direct by the time this is out. But it's always fun to just kind of break those down. I love I love to watch commercials, and I love to then talk about those commercials afterwards. It's our, so. our personal Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, happy yeah. Super Bowl weekend. Uh, you, yeah. watching, you watching the big game? Uh, I'm watching Rihanna at halftime, mm. and that's it. So we've started doing this thing where last year, I think the Super Bowl fell on Valentine's Day or right near Valentine's Day Mm -hmm. also. So we've started doing this thing where we just like go out for a nice dinner on Super Bowl Sunday because it's like fucking dead out because everyone's at home watching the football game. So that's a good that's a good hack. Yeah. Last year we went for like sushi and drinks afterwards and there was like nobody at either place. So we're doing last year year. we went rock climbing during Super Bowl Sunday. The whole gym was open to us. It was really nice. Damn. Uh, but yeah, tonight we're actually doing our Valentine's Day thing mm-hmm. uh, as a wedding gift. My mom got us, so you know, the KitchenAid stand yeah. mixer. We have that oh, already, yeah. but she got yeah, us too. like the pasta attachment where you like oh. crank dough out of it and make like spaghetti. Yes, we got and one so, of those for Christmas. We haven't played with it yet. We haven't played with it yet. So today I'm like, we're making spaghetti. Oh, that's so much fun. So it'll be fun. Nice. Nice. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. I also am tweeting through it. Noah underscore Hertz spelled H-U-R-T-S. The podcast is on Twitter, press underscore start pod, and it's on Tumblr at press hyphen start pod. You can email us any thoughts about the show or who your favorite Harvest Moon baddie is at heypressstart at gmail.com. You can leave us reviews on your podcast app of choice, and we'd appreciate that. All of our music is from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at N-O-A-H-G-E-I-S-T dot bandcamp dot com. Our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. And I think that's about all of our stuff. Any any closing thoughts? Any final words? Collect those magical notes. Collect Slide. those magical notes. Yeah. Perform, perform basic tasks and collect a magical note. Yeah. There you go. Thanks for listening. <laughs>